Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Tuesday, July 18th. It's time for the Power Hour. We are here live. I've got the team with me from Pittsburgh Power, Bruce and Pete and Leroy. We'll hear from them and then we'll get to your calls and questions. If you've got a question about anything related to maintenance, engines, performance, fuel mileage, modifications, upgrades, troubleshooting, you name it. We'll talk about it. All you have to do is pick up the phone and join us. We're going to open the phone lines right now. So jump in 855-950-3835. Bruce, it looks like you're first up on the board this morning. Good morning. Good morning, Kevin. How are you? <sighs> Tired this week. So I'm going to get you guys started and then I'm going to lay down and take a nap. Okay. <laughs> now I'm having a good week for sleep. So. Oh, man. <laughs> um, you, know, you know what I'm hey, finding? Been... The, the more physical labor I do, the harder it is to sleep. No, you, it's just the opposite. I, I, you would think you that. I don't know what happened. Canning and God, between your flowers and your canning and your garden. So Anyway, I've been out on the road making some sales calls. Have you really? That's good. Yeah. I found that I started calling on fire departments and municipalities. Yeah. And I started adding up some things. The average truck, these little dump trucks, these 466 internationals, they spend 7000 plus per year on emissions. You've got to be kidding ten ton, me. 10 ton dump truck now. Wow. And so the more these people I'm talking to, the more I'm finding that us taxpayers are losing a tremendous amount of money. So I started, uh, I found out that there's 3,143 counties in the United States. And every county has fire departments, ambulance, police departments, um, dump trucks, plows, excavators, front end loaders. I started adding this up and I came out over a billion dollars. Wow. Of taxpayers' money spent each year on emissions to keep these vehicles going. That's insane. And I said to the one here, I said, if I can save you a million a year, you eliminate my property tax. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. See if you can bargain I, with them. I, I'm helping you. That's right. I'm helping you. You help me. Yeah, right. exactly. And uh, and that laugh you just gave, that's what I got from I'm them. I'm sure. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm sure that's the first time anybody's ever offered that, too. That's why they're laughing. That's right. So I didn't get to the higher-ups yet. I'm still working with the mechanics the people I prefer to work with. Once I get to the higher up people, they can't make decisions. That makes it tough. So what I'm doing is I'm treating the employees' vehicles, their personal vehicles with catalysts so they can see the difference. There you go. And then I'll have them, I'll have them on my side so we can get some of these uh, government-owned vehicles that you and I pay for uh, away from so many emission problems and get them on the max mileage catalyst. Bruce, here, so a message to all of our, go ahead. I was just going to say, here you are, you, you really should be maybe thinking about 
not quite retiring, but maybe slowing down a little bit. And yet here you are counting all the counties around the country and getting ready to go sell to them. Uh, you know, when I go to bed at night, I wake up. I mean, I, before I go to bed, I think everything I want to accomplish tomorrow and what am I going to do? And every morning I wake up and do my stretches and work out a little bit. And, and uh, then I, I like to get started. I just like to, I like to accomplish things. I can't, I can waste some time now at my age. I can waste a few hours a day, but I, I don't like wasting time. Yeah, I know. You know, God know. gave me a work ethic, and yeah, a, a work ethic is one of the greatest things that God can give you. And, and I know I have the work ethic. When I see people that don't want to work, it just bothers me. And there's some families that have children that want to work, and some that don't. You wonder what happened. I know. What gene did they not get? I know. But anyway, back to these municipalities, we have, uh, we're probably up over 150 catalyst dealers now. And, well, they need to get out and call on some of their municipalities and start talking to them about their emission problems and how we can eliminate those because this is a tremendous drain on taxpayers. Really is. It really is. And, you know, when you start thinking about what we know about emissions problems and then you look at the way they operate these trucks and vehicles, it's no wonder that their problems are so bad. I mean, everything about the way their operation works is horrible for these things. They start up, they drive short distances, they idle a lot. It's just really bad for emissions. I saw some road guys half a mile from my house yesterday. Three of them standing here with shovels cleaning out uh, some dirt from the berm of the road so the water can flow easier into the culvert. And there was two dump trucks sitting there idling. Yeah. And, and it's like, why? Why are you idling these trucks? So... So when I asked them, I said, what do you do when you have emission problems? Everything goes back to the dealers. And I said, what's your average bill? 7,000 plus. Wow. Oh, yeah, that's awful. Well, I'm glad you're doing something about it. That's good news. We're trying. Yeah. So, so that's what I have for right now. So what do you think? Okay. Um, it looks pretty likely uh, that Yellow's going to file bankruptcy. This may be the final chapter. I think they're done. They just missed um, a huge, like $50 million payment to the uh, retirement fund and health insurance. So those guys are going to lose that. The yellow's just going to default on the payment. They already did. And I don't see how they can come back from this. If they go on strike for a couple of days, they'll be done. Yeah. Wow. And what about UPS? UPS is even, you know, if yellow goes out, good riddance. It's about time. We've wasted so much taxpayer money trying to bail this company out, bail out the, the Teamsters pensions because these companies can't pay into the pension funds. They need to just go away. And honestly, it wouldn't be a bad thing for trucking right now. It would be a good thing for yellow to go out. The, the rest of the industry can pick up that slack. Um, not a bad thing at all. If UPS goes on strike, I can't imagine what's going to happen. 340,000 people and all of those packages. Like I, you know, I've said several times, I went through two of these 
strikes in the 90s when I was with FedEx. It was RPS at the time. But it it was, I, I can't even describe what it was like. We had our building in Akron, we we couldn't get into it at the end of the first week because we had packages stacked everywhere, hallways, offices, bathrooms. There was just no place left to put packages. And I was going down and renting trailers, no authority whatsoever. I mean, FedEx, nobody had approved it. There's just something had to be done. And I could go rent trailers because I had an account and I was renting trailers so we could put packages in them. And, and I all weekend, I would just run and run and run from Akron to Columbus. I would run and sleep and run and sleep and just move as many trailers as I could over the weekends. It was just, it's just crazy. They, when they go, and now they are even bigger. Um, this will be the biggest strike in U.S. history if it happens. And I, I just can't imagine what it's going to do to the economy. And all of us have to think about this. How many of the plays, how many parts and things do you get through UPS? We do a lot. Hopefully we'll be able to just shift, you know, over to the post office and FedEx because we do use all three. But those two are going to be so slammed that it's going to get ugly. We do most of our shipping out now with FedEx. They're a day earlier and they seem to be more gentle with the packages but uh, I would have to let uh, one of my guys in shipping talk more about that, or maybe Pete knows more because he's right there. Yeah, so you, you, you've got to be careful with, with UPS. What, if your packages get stuck in their system, you may not see them for weeks or longer. Um, yellow, what they're talking about now is if you ship with yellow at all, you should probably stop because when they file bankruptcy, those packages will sit at terminals and there's a whole, I was trying to figure out the structure. It looks like all the real estate, the terminals are in a separate company somehow or a separate division and they'll be responsible for liquidating all the real estate and there will be nobody to deal with the freight. It's just going to sit there and go to salvage. It will never get delivered. Interesting. And, you know, right now, the state of the economy, now's the worst time to go on strike. Oh, I can't even imagine. Really, I can't. That, that Two could years be... ago, when Trump was president, our conversations were totally different. Totally different. 180 degrees. And we had none of these. We had none of these problems. We had an excess amount of freight. Truck prices were skyrocketing. People couldn't get trucks. Everything was wonderful. Fuel was low. Gasoline was low. Food prices were normal. Now um, I shelves were full. I didn't read and the then story. Fauci, oh yeah. I didn't read the story Fauci this morning. And the rest of his, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. And the rest of his crew decided that they were going to give us a virus to slow everything down and to kill it and to try to kill Trump. And this is what we have. Yeah, what a and mess. Yet, yet, there's people that think everything's okay. I don't know what they're looking at. Really don't. I was meeting with, uh, I was uh, at an event with a retired female lawyer. She did most of her work. She's a year younger than me with the government. And uh, when I asked her about the price of fuel and how many loads 
used to sit, and now the shortage of trucks. She had absolutely not a clue what was going on. No, no. All right, let's uh, let's find out what Pete and Leroy are up to. Good morning, guys. Morning, Kevin. How you doing today? Good. Leroy, you awake? Yep. Um, yep. I'm, I'm awake, mostly. Good morning. I'm not. So, you know, I, I admit it. As soon as I get you guys going, I may just lay down and take a nap today. <laughs> That's my job. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking it over today. Uh, all right, Leroy, yeah. you're, you're first this week. What's on your mind? Um, not too much going on this week. I spent the last two days trying to uh, tune response into a truck, which I guess is interesting because most of the time when you have a diesel and you talk to people, they're like, well, you just got to put more fuel in it. Well, on modern trucks, there's so much you can do besides just putting fuel in to add response to it. And a lot of people don't think of it that way, but there's things you can do with just uh, all the different operating modes, making it run in one versus another uses a totally different set of fuel pressure maps or boost maps. EGR reference maps, um, timing maps, all sorts of things. And that's not adding a keystroke of fuel to the entire engine. And then there's things that limit the way that the pedal feel. Um, how much torque is delivered based on what percentage. If you push the pedal down too fast, the ECM will limit that because it tries to get rid of some like noise in the pedal. Like if you were if you were to drive over a bumpy road and the pedal is really jumpy. Right. If you had a mechanical, I I can imagine that's pretty rough, right, Pete? Right. Yeah. Have to drive. <laughs> yeah, it sure. is. Because mechanicals are very sensitive. So the 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 ECM can level that out, right? But sometimes they they get too aggressive, especially in the new ones. And like the way that the throttle blade interacts with how, um, I guess how boost is delivered is a good way of putting it. There's there's just so much you can do just to add response. And the way that we changed it from the way it came in to the way it was when he just left this morning, it was almost a night and day difference. And it made the same power before and after it made like 540 when it came in, it made about 560 when it left. So maybe 20 horsepower, which isn't that big of a jump. Right. Especially the night and day difference. It was in just response. Yeah. And it, go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say what that. Engine was it? Oh, go ahead. What engine was it, Leroy? Uh, it was an ISX. Okay. Yeah, I was just going to say that just that small amount of horsepower, you can't tell the difference driving a truck. That's not enough to really yeah, but- feel that difference. But so if there's a difference in driving, it has something to do with other than horsepower and torque. Right. And and a lot of times tunes are sort of viewed. I mean, I guess a lot of things are viewed for like their overall performance. Like if you sell, if you go to buy a new car, you might buy a sports car because it's rated at 500 horsepower versus 400. But what you don't know is the 400 is more, more fun to drive, doesn't have the lag, uh, you know, steering inputs better. It's the same thing when you buy a tune for your engine. Somebody might say, well, I have a 650 horsepower tune or I have a 700 horsepower tune for this. And then you go to somebody else and like, yeah, we offer a 600 horsepower one. Well, you would think, well, I'm probably going to go for the, the 700 horsepower yeah. one because <laughs> it's more power. Right. Well, there's so much more on these modern engines that you can do besides just putting fuel in. And it's sort of those little details that really can change the way a truck feels. Yes, absolutely. I agree. Go ahead, Bruce. It was the same way whenever the Acer Cat came out. 
the uh, when they came out with the 550 that ran okay the 475 some of those ran good but the six and a quarter did not run good yet if you put it on a dyno and did a normal dyno run yes there was 625 horsepower but it wasn't responsive and you have to have responsive horsepower if a truck is dead to the field of throttle then it's no fun to drive regardless of what kind of power it's making. Right. And I think a lot of that DDs have that problem big time where they'll make the power, even the tuned ones. I haven't quite figured out how to get them to be really responsive. They're better, but not super responsive. But that's sort of the biggest problem that DDs have is they'll make 600 wheel here, but then they go out on the road and people are like, yeah, I mean, it'll hold a gear longer, but it doesn't feel like 700 horsepower. Right. But I mean, the, the limiting factor is really the emission system because the more responsive you make the truck, the harder it is on the emissions, especially if it makes any sort of puff of smoke. Then, I mean, I've had issues in the past when I was trying to learn how to do this. You throw too much fuel in too quick and you don't adjust all the VGT and the charge flow maps and all this kind of stuff that just dumping more fuel in is just going to lead to more frequent regions. And there's so much more you can do with these new ones besides just adding fuel. Would this be a good time to remind people again not to let people you don't completely trust into your ECM? Let, let's skip the truck stop tuners. Yeah, I mean, there there are some small-time tuners that I've talked to that know what they're doing, but, you know, they're, they're few and far between. Most tuners out there are just copying, pasting from stuff that they found on the Internet because it's, it's a pretty easy business to get into. I mean, if you know where to look for stuff online, you can get hooked up and just start flashing files pretty quick. It's like selling stuff online, being like a drop shipper. It doesn't mean you know anything about running like a storefront or a, Good a business. Yeah. But if you can hook up Amazon and throw some products on there and send out links, doesn't mean you're a business owner. You know yeah. what I mean? It's the same thing for a tuner. Good point. Just because you know how to get the stuff um, doesn't make you a tuner. So, All right. Pete, what's on your mind this week? A couple of things, Kevin. So, um ABF, they were going to go on strike as well. And I see that they recently um, gave them a five-year contract with raises and some benefits. Are you yeah. aware of that? Them going on strike. Yeah, that's a good thing. That If that would have piled on top, I don't know what would have happened. So, yeah, it's a, there was, there was a, another company that did just settle with the Teamsters, smaller. Um, so that's good because that, you know, that would just be piling on and making things worse. Yeah, but if yellow goes out, I think we help the owner-operators. I mean, there's three freight that needs to pick up. Someone's got to do it. Yeah. Yellow going out is not a bad thing at all. It just needs to happen, and it won't be a big hit on the economy at all. In fact, it may even be an improvement. UPS is the big one. That one is just not going to be good if that happens. So, Pete, how many packages a day do we average coming in via UPS? I don't know how many comes in. Actually, we don't have control of that, but going out, it's very small. I, there's probably a 20 to 1 ratio between FedEx and UPS, if not more than that. It might be 25 to 1. So most of what we ship out is FedEx. So they're, they're quicker, a little more affordable. If there are claims, they take care of them much quicker. Um, they, they seem to really have their stuff together. And also, we don't ever make any money from UPS. And they bring free pretzels. And they bring in, <laughs> yes. Oh, so FedEx will, um, Bruce. Years ago, I called the president of UPS down in Atlanta, Georgia, 
and I couldn't quite get to him, but I got to some pretty high up people about damaging freight. And I was told that it has, freight should be boxed so it could fall from like 12 feet or 20 feet in the air and land and not be hurt. Well, they were destroying truck radiators. Now, there's no way you could package a truck radiator to take a 12-foot fall. No. <laughs> and I've, been, I've worked freight docks. You've worked freight docks. We know how those guys deal with freight. But I had told the, the UPS people, I said, larger companies than you have gone out of business. Yeah. And I know it, it fell on deaf ears, but look at where we are now. Yep. Okay. What else you got, so Pete? We, we were talking last week about um, the rebuilds and people not rebuilding engines and, and swinging engines. And what I wanted to do for this show was to get some prices for a in-frame versus an out-of-frame on a DD platform engine. I got the price of the engine. I never got the prices for the parts. And no one emailed me back on that. But uh, the last time we checked, and I don't have any numbers. I don't want to give out because I don't remember them exactly. But in framing a DD15 was not cheap. And you're looking at to buy a Reman DD15 between 42 and $45,000 for the engine. I mean, about 10 grand in labor. And of course, some miscellaneous. You're going to do a clutch. You might do motor mounts. You know, so you're all in at 60 grand. You're getting quite a bit for 60 grand. I mean, you're getting a completely rebuilt engine. Right. So that's why boy. most people are doing that right. Yeah. If I remember right, we were at low 40s to in frame a DD platform. The prices are just, the parts are really high. Wow. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure all these trucks now take more labor. It just getting to the to the engine takes so much more time than it used to. And then that's all stuff you got to put back together. Yeah, the Cascaders are good-looking trucks, but boy, they're hard to work on. Yeah. Yeah, I'll bet. All right. Hey, Paul, Carmine, Paul Carmine just sent me a message saying that the UPS moves 25 million packages a day. Ooh. Oh, it's hard to imagine what that's going to do. Nice. It's just not a good time for that. It's really not. Right now, it looks like it's going to happen. I, they're, they're not even talking anymore, and we're under two weeks to the deadline. So if something doesn't happen here soon. Nope. Yeah, no one's budging on it. Nope. It's not looking close. So could get very interesting. You know, I, I read an article yesterday. I don't even know why they bother, but UPS actually put out a statement that they're going to train non-union employees to deliver packages. Come on. That's not, that's like trying to empty the ocean with a teaspoon. What, why even bother? Why, why create the hassle of these guys crossing the picket lines and uh, they're not going to get anything delivered? No. I mean, you're going to see trucks on the road and that's about it. Yeah. I, it, it, not it's only we're, like you're trying. Yeah, not only will okay. there be no, you know, there just isn't enough numbers of these people, not even close. None of them are trained. I mean, those guys, some of those guys do 200 plus stops a day. I'll see them yeah. in my neighborhood at 630 at night. Yeah. Still delivering. Yeah. It's uh, all right. Let's uh, let's see. We have some phone call. Well, lines are quiet. If you want to jump in, now would be the time. If you've got a maintenance-related question, jump in and join us, 855-950-3835. We're going to get, oh, Pete, one more thing. Um, 
I was shocked yesterday to find out that Cummins and Fleet Card don't make the asphalt team product anymore. No, I was surprised too. And like I said, the part number comes up as a good number in my system. But when I go to order it, it changes the number. So then I put that number in and then it came up as a uh, diesel service product that had nothing to do with asphaltine. That, that was my other point. Why would they then point you to a product that does nothing for asphaltine? It's a fuel conditioner, but not for asphaltine. Right. That, that doesn't make confusing. any sense. I, I was shocked. We've, we've had good luck with the Penray. We've used it for quite a few years. Now, if you have asphaltine and it's to the point where you're, the inside of the tanks are, are black, then they need pulled off, they need power washed. Um, and then you need to run the pen ray to clean everything else out that's still in the lines, in the cylinder head, the injectors, and, and run that for a while to make sure it doesn't come back. Yeah, I somebody asked me a question online about asphaltine. They were really fighting with it. And I said, well, here, this is easy. That That's one of the easier fuel problems to deal with, much easier than algae. Usually, you know, you treat it with the product from Fleet Garden, it goes away or the, the product you have and it, it just goes away. It's not that big of a deal. Why they dropped this right. and then link it to a product that doesn't work for this at all just really seemed odd to me. So I, I said, you know, it's it's a Cummins product. It's Fleet Guard. They came back and said, we can't find what you're talking about. So I started searching. And when you do the search and you're looking at your search results before you click on anything, all of them talked about the Fleet Guard product. But every link you clicked on would take you to a page and it'd say that product doesn't exist. And I'm like, what is going on here? Yeah, Cummins had a injector cleaner we would use on the old step timing engines. And it worked really well. And we would run the, you'd actually run the truck on it. It was a five liter can. And you'd run the fuel line and a return line into it and run it for like 45, 50 minutes. And it would clean the carbon out of the injectors. And then when you set the overhead, you got a good setting. Because they would set it in what they called the outer base method. And you were putting the plunger into the cup and you wanted to get rid of the carbon. Yeah. Um, but they quit making that as well. Weird. I don't know why they, they quit doing yeah. that. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. Uh, and it's not like I know asphaltine isn't a problem anymore. It's still a problem. We see it quite often. And with this heat, and heat's part of the problem. Right. And it's hard to replace is this fuel isn't cooling down. Yeah. I, I would think this year it'd be worse than, especially down south and out west where it's 100 plus, uh, asphaltine could be a huge problem. Yeah, I would think so. So you let everybody know if you're going to look for the fleet card product that doesn't exist anymore, just call you guys and get the Penray. Yeah, we have it. It's worked well for us. Good, good. All right. Let's uh, let's get to some phone calls. Let's go to Atlanta to get started. Jeff, good morning. Good morning. Hey, I've got a 2016 Freightliner DD-15. I've used the max mileage fuel for the last 96,000. I deliver locally fuel, so it's like 30 minutes back, 30 minutes there, 30 minutes. Well, now they're giving us some longer runs, and every time I hit in the morning the uh, 70 miles, it's putting me into a forced region. So I didn't know if you guys had any advice of what I need to do next. Did he just start doing this? or? Well, I haven't taking this truck far you know we like i said i'm a local driver in atlanta so these are the longest runs i've had in the last two years so but yesterday and today both and it and it previously was fine and mm -hmm. you, did you do anything different or it just mm -hmm. started doing nothing at all yep yeah as soon as i hit 70 miles on the um 
trip, it's like an 80 mile run. So as soon as I hit the 70 miles on the trip, it puts me into a forced regen. And how long are the regens? Like about 25 minutes. Are they are they parked or are they rolling regens? Parked. Okay. It derates me down to like 30 miles an hour. Yeah, I mean, are you are you running the max mileage catalyst? Yeah, I've used it for the last 18 months. Hmm. That's why yeah, I, I've never had an issue on it at all. And then, like I said, but it's a, it's a lot of short runs, you know. But it sounds like you either you most likely either have a sensor that's uh, that has failed and is giving the uh, ACM or MCM a wrong reading, or you have something going on inside the engine that's suddenly plugging up the uh, uh, the the DPF a bunch. Whether it's like speeding coolant out or oil or too much fuel, that's sort of unlikely. I would probably uh, get hooked up to some sort of laptop and check the sensors first. That's the more likely of the event. Okay. Yeah. All right. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Yeah, Thanks for problem. the call. Let's go to, we've got phone lines open. Phones seem to be quiet this morning. That's unusual. 855-950-3835. We're going to go to Iowa. Todd, welcome. Yeah. Um, I recently been, I have a 379. Hey, hey, Todd, can you come back closer to your phone? Yeah. You sound like you're on the other side of the room. Oh, okay. Is that any better? That's a little better. Try to speak up. Oh, uh, now we lost the call completely. That didn't work. He was probably trying to switch back to the phone and hit the wrong button or something. So uh, we've got some calls coming in. We'll wait to uh, wait to get those screened here. I, I, I've got nothing this morning. I really, I rolled out of bed at the last minute and stumbled in here, and I still feel like I should lay down and take a nap. So um I'm going to hit the music button here pretty soon if calls don't start coming in. Um, they're coming in. We've just got to get them screened. Uh, anything anybody wants to talk about while I take a nap and we wait for calls? <laughs> All right, we'll go, to, we'll go to Minnesota then. John, welcome. Hi. So after a rebuild uh, in frame on a uh, motor, what is your guys' suggestion for breaking it in after and getting the rings set deep? Okay. First of all, you don't want to do excessive idling. And you should do an oil change before 2,000 miles. And the first hill you come to with a loaded trailer, you should run it pretty hard up that hill. If you're going out across the plains, you don't want to keep it on cruise control at a steady speed, steady RPM. You want to kind of bury it. Okay. When would you do that second oil change, Bruce? That, I do the second oil change around 8,000 miles. Put 2,000 on it, a change, and put 8,000 a change, and then go to regular oil change intervals. intervals. And don't do any sampling on first two oil changes. Ah, good point. Don't wait for anyone. <laughs> Hey, hey, Pete, speaking of oil samples, I had a crazy call yesterday, and I think we may have found out the answer, but I want to verify this. Is there really no place on that form to put your makeup oil in? Nope. nope. So when I um, Did, sent you a copy, I'm thinking the same thing. I'm like, it doesn't say I, that on the form. That is apparently, that's what the comment section is for. You're to know to write that down in the comment section. God, I, I don't know if I'm hallucinating, but I 
could swear I've filled out so many of these and I thought I always put my makeup oil in. So maybe I was doing it in the comments and just forgot that that's where I put it. What they want you to do it is, it, it should say you know, oil added. And again, it, they just refuse to make any changes to the, this to make it easier. And there's so many problems with that form. It just makes me crazy. We were talking about this yesterday. I love Polaris for a lot of reasons. It, it's a quality company. Their, their oil samples are excellent. The results are always good. That, that damn form, though, I wish they would just change that thing, and it, they just won't. And that makes a huge difference how much oil they're using, just like that couple weeks ago when a customer called in. Oh, um, we didn't you know, know that. It, right, and, and we, were, we were chasing all the wrong things until we realized, wait a minute, the only reason the sample is that clean in some areas is just because we're putting so much oil in. That can hide a lot of problems if you don't know that. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. We've we got to have the information to know what we're looking at. Yeah. Jeez. And when I looked at that, I scanned it to send it to Angie, and I'm looking at it, I'm like, wait a second, there's no spot for this. I, I thought there was too, <laughs> but I don't look at that too often. I, I read when they send them to us, but I'm not looking at the form to fill out very often. Yeah, and then the other thing that kind of made me think, well, wait a minute, there has to be a line because I get all these forms and it shows the makeup oil. So I'm thinking, well, there has to be a line. People are putting it in, except we must all be putting it in the comments section. And I just forgot that. Yeah. You have to put any additives you put in there and or makeup oil, apparently um, in the comment section. Have you ever seen a sample where it told you there was an additive? I've never, nobody must ever put that in. I don't think I've ever seen two lines. Makeup oil and additives. Yeah. Real simple to put on it. Simple. And it would help since we're filling out the form and it would be really quick. Just tell me what year it is. Mm -hmm. You know, an ISX, how many different versions of the ISX have we seen over the years? And some of them are pretty darn different. And some of them had issues that we want to be looking for in oil samples. So I always have to ask. It'd be nice if it was just on the form. Absolutely. I mean, you're looking at a 2000 ISX without any uh, after treatment. Uh, the, the oil sample is going to be completely different than a 2350 uh, yeah. X15 with after treatment. Yeah, but you can't tell that from the form right now. You don't know which, you right. have no idea. Yeah. All right. We'll stop complaining about the form and we'll go to the calls. Let's go to Texas. Paul, welcome. Howdy. So. 2018, when Pittsburgh Power rebuilt my engine, on the recommendation of John Welco, I did 1,000 miles, which I didn't take my trailer up there because it was really sick. So um, I picked the truck up on the Thursday, on the Tuesday afternoon and for a drive, and I was actually back there Wednesday night for an oil change 1,000 miles later. And then 5,000 miles after that, I did my second oil change. And here I am at just about 600,000 since the rebuild. Knock on wood, all is good. So Excellent. It's turned out to be a good investment. There so you go. You need it. Even though it was expensive at the time, it was, I think it was about 38 grand, but cost of trucking. So That's for so, sure. Yeah. So, and the, you know, when, when you think of the crosshatch on cylinder liners, that has to break into the hard chrome ring, and that's grit. That's steel grit, and that has to go somewhere. 
and that goes down into the oil pan. Back in the yeah, late seventies, in the late seventies, a friend of mine bought a new Buick, and it had three hundred and seventy-four miles on it. And we took the oil filter off and cut it apart, and we were surprised at how many shavings were in there. So, so my engine is the twenty-three fifty built and went on the road in twenty thirteen. Well, it did the uh, packing the piston rings and polished the bores. So. At 639,000 miles, when it was rebuilt, I was using about five gallons of oil a month. And my truck, for, out of all my car carrier buddies I know, no one went as far as me with an ISX engine before they had to reboot it. And I know plenty that were rebuilt before 250. So, But I, I think the only thing that got me there was the, the Honda generator with a whole lot less idling. Definitely going to make a difference not idling for sure. Well, I still idle to run a PTO, but... Yeah, you're under a little bit of load there. You have some heat. It's not the same yeah. as idling at night. Yeah, well, uh, 10 years, this truck has only idled overnight two times in its lifetime. So 28,787 engine hours for 1.22 million miles, so... Yeah, I'm pretty happy right. with it overall. So there you go. Ho- hopefully the next truck will be just as good. So and, and just one comment about the uh, the UPS if they put substitute package delivery drivers out there, yeah, that will be like trying to stop Niagara Falls with a rake. Yeah, I, it, it won't it, work. I don't even know why they're bothering. It just creates more problems yeah. than anything else. Yeah, because oh yeah, I left with two hundred deliveries and. <laughs> Screwed up the first 25, and I'm, and, and I'm not going to get the other 175 done. So, and I, yeah. can't, I can't go pick anything up because there's no room in my van because I couldn't get anything off. So why even bother? Yeah. So, so for anybody that's in Texas today, you need good air conditioning because Dallas right now, it's already 99 degrees. Oh, that's, those temperatures are just... Is here. Yeah. The temperatures are just insane. Uh, Las Vegas, I think, has been over 110 for a record number of days. It's just all over. We've been really fortunate. I mean, we're in the West, but we've had just beautiful weather. I mean, we we got into the high 80s a couple of days, which is hot for us, but not that big of a deal compared to what we're seeing around the country. Let's let's go to Texas. Martin, welcome to the program. Good morning. What's on your mind today? Hello. I'm in the process of buying a, a Volvo 2021, and I'm, I'm nervous about all the electronics on it. I've always had older trucks, and going to get this one. What I, I need to see, what y'all recommend to make this thing last? I've already got the catalyst down on my list. Yeah, I mean, as far as like electronics go, I think to make it last, I think it's just more about just just constantly, um, not necessarily working on it, but just inspecting and replacing things ahead of schedule or on a schedule. Um, whatever that Volvo recommends as far as a maintenance schedule, you got to follow that. And then I was thinking about putting something together, like a, a formal like PDF sheet about like sensors or things like that that I would check. Because there's things like battery terminals, like that causes so many issues. Like there's that kind of stuff you should check every 
X amount of miles, just make sure there's no corrosion buildup. There's things like uh, make sure like there's not a lot of dirt or water buildup. Make sure harnesses are tied up. Look at zip ties, see if they're cutting harnesses. Um, certain sensors you should just replace on a schedule, even though that Volvo doesn't recommend it. Um, just things like, just basic things like keeping water out of the cab, make sure that there's no leaks. That saves you a lot of issues. Um, visually looking over your harness just for zip ties that are like cutting through loom. That saves you a lot of money. Um, that's really what I think is the best thing you can do for your truck. And it's really cheap just to look over it and just constantly stay up on things. What are the rest okay, of the specs on I already do that on, on my older trucks. Uh, it's a D13 with a high shift 12, 247 rears, the mid-roof 740. How fast are you going to run it most of the time? Usually uh, 65 to 75 normally. Okay. So you should be fine. The, schedule. the other thing that you know, helps these emissions is running them in the right RPM range and making sure we're keeping enough heat in the engine. And that comes down to specs. This one sounds like it's set up pretty well for the way you're going to run it. Hey, uh, sometimes um, I've got 13,000 pounds of freight on. Sometimes I've got 45,000. So uh, keep, keep in mind, this is an engine that's been designed to run at a lower RPM. And, and that is when we keep the heat in the engine. So... You don't want okay. to be driving this quite the way you've driven the older trucks where, you know, we do want to get the RPMs up occasionally. That Here you, you, you want to keep them down in the low end of the range as much as possible. And is that range, I think I've heard before, like 11? Uh, it, believe it or 11? not, it can be all the way down to nine. That's how low these things can run okay. efficiently. So. 11, yeah, we don't want to be up in that 13, 14 range where we're running a lot of other engines most of the time. Yeah, I normally try to keep my cat at, I like it at 13, but of course at 65 and 75, it's not there. Yeah, yeah, so it, it just, just keep thinking, you know, keep this thing at the lower end of the range, keep the heat in the engine. Okay. And then what about the, I've, I've never had DPF or death or anything on my other trucks how what's maintenance schedule on something like that i mean i typically like to do have the filter cleaned uh, i guess if it's a pretty new one every 250 300,000 is what i like to recommend um you could probably get more mileage out of it but then again like i say it's better to be proactive about that kind of stuff than reactive um just do it on a regular schedule every 250 300,000 Okay. Is there any way I, this truck has 600,000 on it and I don't know whether it's been cleaned or not. Um, it's a really nice clean truck. Um, but I don't know anything about the emissions or really the engine on it. Yeah. I mean, without paperwork, there's no way to know. And you can just assume that it's never been done. It's just the way that yeah, I would look at safe it. Bet. Okay. Especially with the company truck. And you know, if you get it cleaned, Run the catalyst. There's a um, if you get cleaned by DPF alternatives, and you run the catalyst, they have a guarantee that if it plugs up again, they'll clean it for nothing. So that's a pretty good deal. Okay. And where are they? Oh, uh, they're all over the place. They're, it's a franchise, oh. and we do it here. But if you go on our website, there's hundreds of them out there. Okay. I just trucked if it's a twenty-two. It's six hundred thousand on it. I'm not sure. So, 
it's a 21, 21 but now i mean it, by 2021 it could be a year and a half old the way they're doing yeah. trucks these these days yeah. uh looks like i when i ran the bin number and came up with i looked through all the dot inspections and uh, it looks like it was pulling a, a cryo tank so it must have had 10 so, drivers on and uh, they must 200,000 miles a year yeah <clears throat> All right. What's the price. Well, how much? Uh, forty-eight. That's much, much better than those prices we were hearing a year ago. Wow, it's good to see that again. Normal yeah, prices. A lot. Actually, those are good prices. I mean, that's that's almost a bargain. So, do you have a three seventy-nine now or a W nine with the cat? No, I've got a I've got a three eighty-seven with a C twelve. Came with a C thirteen, but I. Put a C12 when the C13 went down. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, you Just turned will, uh, a million miles last week. There you go. You'll. Uh, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised with the uh, with the fuel cost on this vehicle. And if you if you do all that stuff, you're not going to have a problem with maintenance either. Let's uh, let's go to Iowa. Matt, welcome. Good morning, everyone. What's on your so, mind today? Uh, I was calling about oil samples, but you already talked about them. <laughs> Uh, the the form you fill out at one point in time it did have uh, makeup oil slot on there. I I thought so, I and believe. And, and then my thought was, if they're so hesitant to change this form to make it better, when did they change it and take that off of there? I don't remember when. Cause I think it was 2016 that I started using the app. So I can't say I've paid attention to the form that much. Well, that's six, that's seven years ago now. So <laughs> sometime in the last seven years, they just know that. Yeah, I, it seems crazy that they changed it like that and they won't make the changes that would make it better. Yeah, the only change they made was not an improvement. <laughs> right. Actually, and it's crazy like that, that a company that's so good at everything else, it just this one issue just makes you know, me a little crazy. just writing it in there. Yeah. Um, but the, uh, you know, somebody turned me on to the app cause I didn't know they had had one. Um, it is horizon laboratories, I believe. Okay. Horizon. I know for sure it says on the, on the and that there is a way I've never figured I'll do the manual enter in, you know, the miles on the oil miles on the engine. Okay. There is a way you can actually set the odometer in there. So you just enter your odometer. And then you record when you change the oil. Otherwise, it'll do all the calculations automatically. Oh, okay. You just enter your current odometer. Got it. Um, but the, I don't know, the app just is a lot easier, I think, to fill it out on the phone, on my phone versus on that paper because it's so small, the writing I, in there. I know. Yeah. An app sounds to like a really good idea. Yep. So... And obviously, you know, you need to have the form because that comes with the sticker, the barcode, bar right? On the bottle, right? And then, yeah, you just scan that barcode with your phone, and it pops up, and you you just start selecting, you know, your unit information and filling out the miles and and all that. That and sounds it's, like it's the way to go. Much clearer to read on the app. Yeah, you know? that, that sounds like the way to go. And and on there, it still has the slot on the app to gallons added. Like it should. So, yeah. Yep. So everybody using the app is already filling that in. 
you don't need to worry about putting it in the comments. You just there's there's still a still a spot to fill it out. Excellent. Good deal. Yeah, that was all I had when I heard that yesterday. And, and Jerry, you know, he's a regular caller, so it's yeah, I, it's, it's amazing. I, you know, he said he he writes it in the comments, and it still doesn't even show up all the time. Right. That's that is even worse. Yeah. All right. Good stuff. We're going to uh, all right. grab another call here. Let's go to Ohio. Steve, welcome. Hey, good morning. Uh, before I get to the uh, to the lab uh, info I've got, uh, that, uh, two, that 247 gears on that uh, D13 with the 12 speed of 21 is most likely not a turbo compounded. Uh, it would it would probably be set up a little bit different if it was. I think uh, I think it would be the 13 or the 14 speed for one thing, and uh, uh, so he's probably got the variable uh, geometry uh, turbo on that. Uh, so his might may have a little higher RPMs than what Joel's does. A little bit, yeah. Um, but, yeah, uh, still don't want to yeah, run them. A lot of those 240, a lot of those 247s, a lot of a lot of those 247s are not uh, are not uh, you know they're the not TC. TC. Right. Uh, yeah, I don't think I hadn't seen one. I hadn't seen one yet. It was let's put it put it that way. So uh, uh, you have to be careful if you're looking to TC engines for used trucks. And in the next couple of years, with all the small and mid-sized fleets going to be trying to replace their their uh, stuff before the 27 emissions come in, uh, you probably be your best chance to find if you want one of those. You know, <laughs> just uh, camp out at Plover and watch the yard. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they. They've got all TC engines, and uh, and so uh, that would be one one way to do that. But um, but on the uh, lab situation there, um, they've got also on the, the app they have they have they have the add oil on the app. But guess what? You can't if you they got three places to put notes in. If you type one letter in any of those three boxes, you can't get it to take your commission. <laughs> really? I, I, I messed with it for for. I messed with it for four or five samples in a row. I finally called the guy in there, and they he 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 looked at it and all, and he said, "Okay, well, just leave off the notes." I said, "Well, that helps y'all a whole lot, doesn't it?" Yeah. <laughs> if, you need, if you needed to put notes so, in, uh, but now I just do it without the notes. I mean, I just you know I I know what I'm yeah you know, I know what my notes would have been, right? Uh, and I I know what you know they they may they may their comments may say something uh you know that would they wouldn't say if they saw the notes. But, you know, I'm not worried about that. Uh, but I have got a little more information for you on, uh, on, a, on, a, on, on a sample and on a product that they're selling over at Pittsburgh Power right now, the, the PBN from Hot Shot Secrets, the, the base. Um, I had, uh, matter of fact, Pete, uh, you, had, uh, you had Don Mampel in there the other day and uh, finished up his OPS. But uh, his, uh, he, his oil sample, uh, when he bought his truck a couple of months ago, only had 1.96 base in there. Everything else was perfect on his oil sample. So I, I told him to, you know, get get some uh, get some base from TV from uh, Hot Shot Secrets, and he did. He got two quarts and put in it. So he's driven about another 25, 30,000 miles, and he came up, got the diesel force done at uh, a Pittsburgh Power the other day, and they they took an oil sample, you know, of the oil they took out. Uh, and when they took that sample, he came back, and those two quarts and running 30,000 miles, he went up from like 1.96 up to like 5.88 or something. I mean, really good increase in his base with two quarts. He might could have done one quart and been okay. 
Um, so that that that's good information there for us knowing we can with, with good oil samples we can continue if we want to continue without dropping the oil. Yes. Because uh, the base is generally the problem that we have with the DD15s uh, getting down down in that two range uh, at times. Now, I'm I'm at a hundred thousand miles and mine's still at three point eight eight. My base is, but I don't I don't abuse my engine. The only time it gets abused is I'm through the West Virginia mountains twice a week, but I'm light one way and fairly light the other. So it's not a lot of not a lot of pressure on the uh, engine. I don't think you know going up those hills as as it would be somebody's at eighty thousand. So. Uh, Right, uh, but uh, but yeah, that's but that's some good information on there, and I think I think uh, it's good that that uh, that that you know Pete, you guys have, have gotten it and uh, gotten it in there now. That will help people that want to extend uh, with with otherwise good good uh, oil samples. Good information. You know, it it um, it seemed like that base issue was going to be a problem, but we have a nice simple solution for it now. So one more step, and you can keep running some of these. Uh, oil change intervals out to a hundred thousand miles plus. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, like I say, and uh, very, very pleased with. Uh, I've had, I've got some people I'm mentoring now that are doing really well out here, uh, and uh, and like I said, it's good to see them. You know, to be coachable because <laughs> most yep. truck drivers are not coachable. Uh, I, I turned down about nine, 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 ninety-five out of a hundred that uh, want hey. me to work with them because of their attitude. So. I have something for you to teach them. Yep. Get get their voicemail set up on their cell phones, and when oh, yeah. the voicemail gets full, empty it. I had one guy, exactly. he wanted to know the difference between a C break and a Jake break. He has no voicemail. I have called him five times, so now I've given up. Yeah. I usually return calls three times because I realize you're delivering, picking up, and doing things, and Maybe going across the scale, but this one I tried five times, no voicemail. If When I get a new phone, I have them set up the voicemail. I do the recording. Um, I don't know how to go into my phone and set up a voicemail, but other people do, and it's not that hard to get that done. And it's so important when you're self-employed is to be able to get your messages. Yes, when you're in business and you're you're excellent at returning calls. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, most people would call somebody at the boss of a company the size of yours, and they'd never get a call back. But you're excellent at doing that. Um, and yeah, I tell people, you're in business now. You're no longer a truck driver. You're now a business owner, and you have to treat you have to treat everything with a business mind in in looking at everything about your business. You're not just holding the steering wheel anymore. You know? So. Uh, uh, but yeah, that, that's one of the things you got to run it like a business. Well, I get uh, several mm-hmm. calls from your mentees, and they're they're they've always got a good plan. They know their numbers. They're always pleasant to talk to. You must be yeah, picking I, them I say, well. I'm thrilled with the ones I've had. Yeah, you must. Be I do. That's pick, it. Yeah. I, I pick them well. I, I'm not gonna beat my head against. I'm not gonna beat my head against the wall. Because <laughs> you know, uh, with most of these, well, you can't. Let me let me let me give you another little. A little thing just to show you the hubris we have among a lot of the truck drivers out here. I've talked to three three different Landstar people that have lost their trucks here in the last week. They need a job, a job bad. I got a route that'll pay them right now, even with rates at eighteen hundred to two thousand dollars a week as a company driver for me. And and I you know, I asked them what were their they paid. They were between twenty five and twenty eight hundred a week. They wanted to be paid to drive somebody else's 
truck where somebody else is paying for the truck, paying for the insurance, paying for all the fuel, maintenance, tolls, scales, everything else. And all three of them, I asked them, what was your 1099 number for the first half of the year before you failed? And they they were only averaging total money coming into them to the truck around three thousand dollars a week. Uh, yeah, they uh, expect uh, somebody else to pay them twenty seven hundred <laughs> a week. Wait a minute, do do the math. Now I got a good I got a good route. That's a I know that's a crazy, crazy amount of money. Come on, I I you know we should pay is, good drivers well, but that's just that's right. way out of line. Well, and and on right and on a percentage basis, last year when the rates were crazy high. My route would have run twenty two to twenty four hundred a week. That's a lot of money for a driver, not to have any responsibilities. And, and I, I give a fifteen hundred dollar minimum. If everything goes sideways and everything cancels that week, they still get fifteen hundred dollars. They're not, you know, that's a minimum. You know what this tells us? Had we known this, that that they had this kind of thought process around the numbers. They should have never been an owner-operator in the first place. This is why they lost their truck because oh. they they can't even grasp that, that that that's that's not even a logical number to expect. No, no, not even close. I mean, right now, I told them I said, "Well, good luck. You right now, you go out and get a job." All the mega carriers they can't they can't pop the rate for their people that are already there. But the new people coming in aren't getting that seventy-three cent a mile or seventy-five cent a mile. They're not getting that. And uh, even if getting, you do, you know, they're getting. 48. Yeah, even if you do, you still can't make the kind of check they're expecting. No, not not even close. They'd have right. to run, what, 5,000 miles a week? It's <laughs> a mile to make 2,500. <laughs> right. Uh, 25,000 paid miles. <laughs> paid, right, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. So, and, and, my, and my job's a five-day job, two days at home, and around 2,700 miles. You're not killing yourself. You're out running about five, 550 a day, 600 some days. But, you know. I, you're not killing yourself. I run it at 60 miles an hour. <laughs> to me, that that uh, sounds like the ideal trucking job. Just about maximum number yeah, of it, miles. It you it don't does. have yeah, to kill yourself to do it. Anybody the coast of right. North, call me. <laughs> uh, the biggest problem, I wanted to get somebody who was already Landstar uh, approved. It's really hard to get a driver Landstar approved. That's, yeah, it is. I've tried and tried and tried and and you, they have to have over the road experience. They don't. They will not take regional experience. I don't even regional experience uh, in the Northeast. That's something I don't understand. I really don't because honestly, yeah. I, we all know yeah. the more local you get, the better your experience is. I will. I, I used to yeah. just jump all over guys that had five plus years of LTL experience. Oh yeah, that's the driver I want. Yeah, they're so much better at. Oh yeah, I had a guy three and a half, three and yeah, three and a half years out of the port of Newark, running Maine out to Ohio, down to Virginia. They don't call that over the road; they call that regional. That, <laughs> that's so illogical. <laughs> that that's just as illogical as saying it's okay to let an eighteen-year-old drive all over Texas, but if he crosses the Red River, he becomes unsafe. I mean, that it, it's, <laughs> it's the same logic. It makes no sense. Yeah, it, it does. So that's why I've been trying to get the ones that are failing at business with Landstar, but are already approved by Landstar. All they got to do is, yeah, you know, I put them on. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about payroll. Hey, I'm, re, I'm reimbursing per diem. They're getting part of their salary tax free. 
<laughs> so here's here's part of the problem with these guys. They they clearly did not know how to run the business, or they would still be in business. And here's what that here's what was happening. They were getting decent gross checks. Like you gave some numbers that weren't all that great, but they were considering. You know, if you were an employee, that'd be a lot of money. And that's the way they treated it. That's why they went out of business, because they were treating that gross check like it's theirs. And they still expect that they should be getting a check that big. Correct. And another red flag, all three of them wanted to be paid on a 1099, which I will not do. It's illegal. Uh, And they wanted to be paid on a 1099. I know why. They were were not going to pay taxes on it at all. Right. So they have more (laughs) cash to spend. Because they probably haven't been paying their taxes. (laughs) Right. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. Oh, uh, well, but uh, but we, we keep right on. We, you know, you will. You know, the right person will show up. And uh, yep. that's for sure. So, um, hey, but, just well, uh, we appreciate you guys and everything just, you guys do. Just go hang out at the, the yellow and UPS terminals. There'll be drivers everywhere. There we that's right. They need they need work. Except I had a policy. <laughs> Um, I would not hire a union driver. Yeah, I know. I just I wouldn't know. do I, it. I'm the only union driver I'd ever hire. Uh, yeah, I, I was union for 20 years. I'm the only union guy I'd, I would ever hire. Yeah, and, and you know. It, <laughs> no, it, I had a couple. I had a couple that would. But. I, I realize some of those guys would be worth hiring, but they're really hard to find. And how do you know? You know, it, it just. Yeah, it yeah. Just, it's it's a very very different attitude, and the longer they've worked in the union, the harder they are to deal with. Yep. Oh yeah. I mean, ninety seven of the hundred largest companies that were LCL back when I started in eighty one were union. Yes. And now there are only three left. Yeah. <laughs> that tells you something right there. Yeah. Well, when I got started in nineteen sixty nine, they were all union, yeah. and they were all a pain in the ass, yeah. and. Whenever I worked for companies in dispatch that had both union and owner operators, the owner operators carried all the specialty freight, all the expensive freight. The freight had to be there just in time. I mean, it, it, there was no comparison between the two drivers, and I learned that at the age of 20 years old. Yep. Yeah, I know exactly. So, but but hey, we do appreciate you guys, you guys and. Do you, do you guys see the sign that uh, some small town somewhere must be in Europe because it says 40 kilometers? Trucks do not use air brakes. What? <laughs> <laughs> what are they the supposed to use? An anchor? Do not use air brakes. <laughs> so one guy posted, he said, what do we want to be like Fred Flintstone and drag <laughs> our feet? That's what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Fred Flintstone. Toss yeah. out an anchor. <laughs> I mean, this is geez. Doug Weber and Charlie Beiser posted this. So now, <laughs> now Bruce, I will, anyway. I will say I did a, a, I probably didn't need to, but I did a short driving school a couple weeks long. Um, we got to back up a whole bunch, a couple days in the yard, and we got to go out and drive the truck a couple times. But one of the things we had, I had one instructor that would, before he would let you go, he would make you be able to bring a truck to a stop uh, coming off of a, an exit ramp uh, down to a stop sign. He'd pick one and he'd make you do that without the brakes. Yep. Well, and it was downhill. 
Um, it wouldn't be real challenging. He would make it fairly level, not, not, you know, there might be a little bit of a downhill to it. Like there is on a lot of ramps, but you had to be able to downshift all the way down until you were almost at a stop. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good test. You got to do that yeah. on ice. You can't, you can't be hitting your brakes on yeah. ice. You know, yeah, you got was, downshift and we, I've done it before when I had to. Yeah. Yeah. That was, I thought that was a really good thing to teach people. Yeah. Hey, when you're down shifting on ice, you just got to make sure you don't go down too many gears and and, and, and let you can't keep up. Now you locked up those drive wheels and, and let out the oh, clutch yeah. nice yeah. and smooth as you're doing it. Yeah, it's um, yeah, yeah. All right, Steve. You know that's stuff. why on the big on the on on the big cams, I like to give them 24, 2500 RPM. Not that you're going to drive it there, but if you get in a situation when you're going down a mountain and the truck's getting away from you and you got to grab a gear and you need that extra RPM to be able to get the gears to match. And, and when you get that gear to match at that RPM, that Jake brake has got some serious holding power. Oh, it does. Yeah. When you get up to that high of an RPM, when you can catch that, it's got real holding power then. Let's, uh, but it wasn't uh, just for a performance item. It was for a safety item. Right. Yeah. The reason for that. Yeah. Let's go to Texas. Martin, welcome to the program. Thank you. I was calling back about the Volvo I bought. It is a TC engine. That's not why I called back, but uh, okay. well, that is why I so, called back. I, yeah. While I have <laughs> so, you on the phone. Uh, so, so what, what Steve was a, saying uh, is is correct. You don't see the T. Steve says he's never seen a TC with the 247s. It's pretty rare. Um, they do like to get those down even lower on the RPM. Um, but the same thing would hold, you know, 900 is actually safe for that engine. It'll run down there all day long. Um, 11, you're still doing okay. okay. So these aren't, this isn't the spec that gives us all of that flexibility up at the top with the TC spec, right? You can actually run that thing in three different gears at highway speeds, which is just tons of flexibility. You don't have quite that much flexibility with the 247s, but you still want to keep in mind that that thing wants to run at low RPM. Okay. What I need lower gears or higher gears i'm assuming lower well this gets confusing it's a higher it's a lower number but i we call that a higher ratio so a two two twenty eight is a higher gear ratio than a 247 so the the smaller the number the higher the ratio so you would want smaller number gears higher ratios but i i wouldn't even have you bought this truck yet or you're just considering it I put the put a down payment on it. I haven't taken delivery of it because I'm I'm a good way I'm a thousand miles away from it. Uh, when are you planning on pulling the trigger on this? Uh, oh, probably over the weekend when I get back. Okay, uh, you may want to call us on Friday and and talk with Joel to okay. really get down to the nitty gritty on how you're going to use this truck and. Um, yeah, I, I think it would be worth it. This one's right there. Kind of, it, it really depends on how you're going to use this truck, whether or not this is going to work well for you or not. Uh, we've been doing, um, that segment on Twitter spaces. I need some time to think about it this week and reach out to Joel and Henry. I may move that back to the app. Twitter spaces gets, 
it, it, it's a different format. We, you know, it, and it tends to get off track more often. And we talk about too much specific stuff on that show. I think, I don't think that format's going to work well for us, but I haven't made that decision yet, but one way or another, we'll be doing something on Friday. Okay. One, uh, also I have, I had bought a bunch of, I think a case of the OPS filters and kits and all, but the last time I did send in an oil sample, seems like it was about a year ago, and I got a call back and said that it had the wrong form. It had the old form, and he couldn't do anything with it, I guess. How do I get new forms, or can I do it on the app? I just, after yeah. that, I just never send any more in. Yeah, no, you, um, Pete, you should be able to help him with this, but you have to have the form even if you use the app because the barcode is on the form and that's part of the process. So okay. Pete, there's gotta be a way to get in forms, isn't there? Okay. If this was bought from OPS, they put an expiration date. So if they're, if it, they're expired, unfortunately they're simply expired. That was something OPS did before we bought the company. Okay. You simply have to buy new so, um, sample bottles. How long ago, and you did buy them from OPS, correct? And not us. Correct. Correct. Yeah. I think, yeah. I want to say I bought them at possibly the last GATS that they had. It was at, it was at GATS that I ordered them. That makes sense. That had been what, two, 2020 or 2019? You don't remember when the Pammy Whammy was or what? No. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's something, unfortunately, OPS put in that we, we don't, can't control. Like I said, we can see all your new ones, but unfortunately, you're stuck with those. Okay. All right. Yeah, I just, I've still been changing the filters. I just hadn't been doing sampling. Yeah, you still want to do the samples. Yeah, you really do. Yeah, I know. I do want to, but uh, okay. Well, I was just, uh, I didn't realize they had an expiration date on them. Yeah, they don't anymore. Okay. Yeah. Correct. So, I mean, can I buy. <laughs> Just, uh, I guess, just the, the forms. How much is that? Well, it's a, it comes to sample bottle. I mean, it's kind of how it's set up. The sample bottle form come together. And um, well, yeah, I know, but sure if I've got, I've got ten sample bottles with ten expired forms. And that's something they did. Um, they they really pushed them hard. They put sales out. People would buy them, and then when they realized there was a lot of outstanding oil samples that they were going to have to pay for, they put the dates on them then. Mm. Yeah, and you, to have, to and you have 10 of them. I don't know how many I have. I, I bought a case, which I think was 12, and I had some I didn't run out when I purchased them because, I, I mean, I don't know how many I had before I bought those. I was at the truck show, and they, they had a special on them, so I just picked up another case. Yeah, and that's the problem. They, they were, you know, putting specials out, and people were buying them, but um, give Eric a call here. He takes care of all the OPS stuff. So after this, you get off the phone or after the show, if you want, call Eric at, at Pittsburgh Power and see if he can help you out. He's the one who okay. handles the OPS. But yeah, that's okay. the problem we had with it. We're kind of whoring stuff out um, towards the end. Whoa. Now, I mean, that's what they did. <laughs> I mean, they were selling stuff. They were selling to us. Yeah. Um, and it bit them in the ass in the long run. And we're still dealing with it for, you know, that reason. Customers would buy them because they were so cheap, and now they're stuck yeah. with them. Okay. 
You know, uh, All right. that reminds me of uh, uh, about 40 years ago, I bought a lifetime membership to the health club that was right down the street from our old shop. And I'd work out five days a week there. And it was like $1,200 and three years into it, they sold it to another company and they wouldn't honor my, honor my lifetime membership. And so there went $1,200 40 years ago. And I, it really bothered me. So now I don't buy lifetime memberships to things because of that. People keep buying each other. And, <laughs> hey, and that's kind of what OPS did with those filters. Hey, Bruce, I have one worse. Right. So I remember a story okay. of a band a musical band that had like this really small, but really like a cult following. And they made a deal. Anybody that would get their band logo as a tattoo could go to their concerts free for life. And people went out and did it. And then they got bigger and they decided not to honor that anymore. Uh, people were really pissed off <laughs> when got a damn tattoo and they won't even honor that. What band was that? It wasn't any, any, you wouldn't recognize it. I didn't recognize them, but I guess they had this small kind of cult following. And then um, like five years mm -hmm. later, they made this big comeback and started getting, you know, more popular and started doing concerts again. And their promoter said, oh, hell no, we're not honoring that. So people were pretty pissed off about that. Wow. You know, whenever I was running around in my P600, pulling my RV and my garage trailer, I came to an intersection somewhere, and there was a bunch of guys and girls dressed in rags and DW minibus, and they were deadheads. And I wound up my window. I couldn't, <laughs> couldn't pass this one up. I said, what in the hell are you people? We're deadheads. I knew what a deadhead was. I said, what's a deadhead? And we followed a Grateful Dead band. I said, oh, so you gave up your life to follow a band and you have no money and you dress like this and you drive this type of band and the, and the Grateful Dead makes millions while they're making music while you're just following them around. Yeah. And I let out the clutch and pulled away and they just stood there and looked at me. <laughs> Martin, anything else we can help you with? I don't think so. I was trying to think of a follow-up question, but I, I guess you've covered it all. All right. Good. Hey, Kevin. I want to Thanks say, for the call. Go ahead. I want to say one other thing about RPM. You know, some people are scared to death to use RPM out of their engine, but sometimes when you're working, especially an older engine, when you're working at hard, RPM is your friend. And well, I just see that Joe Seam... Joe Seaman, I just seen him on Facebook. He's been drag racing a 359 Pete with a big cam for years, and he just built a new engine. And I drove his truck twice. I, I think we were in, um, what was that drag strip over by where you were born? Uh, Norwalk. Was it Norwalk or the one in Salem? Salem. 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 Yeah. It was at Salem. And um, it was a, he just had a 10 speed in there because you just hold it to the floor and you didn't shift until the valves floated. And that was 3,500 RPM. <laughs> and that's when you grab that next gear. <laughs> it was a wild ride. And yeah. when we did sled pulling back in the 
late 80s and 90s. Uh, at the end of the track, we'd have those engines running, whether they were K's or big Kim's, we had them running at 2,800 RPM. But uh, when you leave the line pulling that trailer, we wanted to see up over, or sled, we wanted to see up over 3,000 RPM. So whenever I mentioned on big Kim's, we set the pumps at 24, 2,500 it's not that high for that engine. No. And when we say, you know, run this engine sometimes at higher RPM, we just have to realize what engine we're talking about. If we go back to mechanical, those are pretty big numbers. If we go to the early emissions trucks, they they still perform really well in that 13, 1400 range. That's where you want to run those. You really don't want to run those too low very often. Uh, But some of the new modern engines now, it, it's like each, you know, new round of major changes brings us lower and lower on the RPM. But it really, you should understand your engine and know where that horsepower and torque curve are. Yeah. And you can determine that, especially if you have an exhaust gas temperature gauge and a turbo boost gauge and a tachometer. Yeah. yeah. Um, I have had some calls recently where people do not have a working tachometer. Talked to a guy yesterday no working tachometer. And so he has no idea where he's shifting. And that just kind of befuddles me. Oh, hey, speaking of that, I've got a guy that needs a mechanical speedometer cable. Does anybody know anyone in North America that's still making mechanical speedometer cables? Huh. If you do, call us. Give us their name and phone number. Got it. All right. All right. So... So with the when you have the proper gauges to find out where the sweet spot is, I mean, you want to bring the exhaust temp down, you want to bring the turbo boost down, you want to bring the RPM down, you want to be able to maintain a reasonable speed. But if you ease into the throttle, you want it to be able to pick it back up and go, and you don't want your exhaust gas temperature to skyrocket. Yes, I agree. Let's... uh Calls are starting to pile up on us. It was a slow start today, but uh, they're coming in now. Let's go to Illinois. David, welcome. Good morning, guys. We might as well make this a volleyball day. Okay. Please. What do you got? Please. (laughs) Spare me. (laughs) Well, I got to add to it. I bought a I bought a Volvo recently for my wife, but we still run a T600 with a three million mile odometer on it with a 600 cat. So we're not giving up hope on on the older trucks yet. I just All wanted right. to put my wife in. I just wanted to put my wife in an I shift to make her life a little easier. And let me tell you, it has been a major hair pulling learning curve for me. I'm definitely old school, but even more so than what I thought I was. And one of the comments that was made right at the beginning of the show about them being completely different, responsiveness under your foot, things like that, I was ready to give this truck back to the dealer and lose my down payment right from the beginning. And it was only my wife that was persistent to make me hang on to it because I hate, I'm learning to live, love the truck a little bit, but I hated it that first week. It was pure nightmare. Um, got two main questions for you. In going off the depth usage, we've got about 10,000 miles on the truck now, and we're not having any issue. Okay, let me back up. This is a 2017 with 
the D13 and the 12 speed, the direct 12 auto shift with a 247 gear. And is this a TC? It seems to run beautifully. I'm sorry, what? Is this a TC? This turbo compounded? No, this is a B. No, this is a 17 model, so it's a BGT. All right. Um, But it is the direct drive. So, you know, basically 55 to 60, it runs beautifully, and we're pulling down eight and a half, nine mile a gallon. I should mention that we're loaded at 80,000 one direction and empty the other. There is no in between. What's the, have you ever, our, our average is, have you been able to track accurately fuel mileage differences between loaded and empty? The, the gauge on the dash is usually pretty accurate these days. So what is the difference between loaded and empty on this? Well, I've been trying to do that. It's been a tug of war for me for the last four years that we've been doing this. We haul aluminum coils. And even in my T600, you know, with this cat, you know, and I've got, I'm the guy it's had homemade lift axles forever. I've talked with you about six or seven years ago, we had a W9 pulling down eight mile a gallon. Mm-hmm. And because of where, you know, in order to buy fuel at the cheapest cost, it's hard to track it mm-hmm. based on the loaded leg and the empty leg because my fuel that, ups 99% no. <laughs> of the time fall in the middle. Right. I understand. That's why I said we could do this with the dash gauge. And it's, it's pretty accurate these days. Well, <laughs> that's my problem. I haven't learned how to use that dash and go through the parameters and all that crap okay. very right. well yet. So I haven't reset. It's showing 8.3 on the dash, but that was from when we bought it. That's how bad it is. I haven't been able to figure out how to reset it. So I'm still just doing everything on the fuel gauges app. So I haven't been able to get that distinction. But it would be skewed a little bit in our case because when we're in, well, she only has one. We have lift axles on our trailers. Hers is a full tandem. So when she's loaded, she's five axles down. When she's empty, she's four axles down. Where I'm, I'm five and three. Okay. But, um, and that's our tug of war right now because of the way I've got my cat set up, 60 is about as low as I can go. But with her truck, 60 is about as fast as we want to go. So we're still playing with that. But right now, my, all I'm trying to do is maximize the efficiency on her Volvo because fuel mileage is definitely better with that truck. So, you know, when we, when we have runs that we can run a little harder at, I'll jump on her truck and we'll team it and let mine sit for a day. But what, my, what I'm trying to figure out is, but it was answered a little bit earlier by the other gentleman. I've got a little over 600,000 on this, really don't have records. So I think I'm going to go ahead and have a new DPF put on just to eliminate that issue altogether and, and also the input and output sensors. Am I off track in, in doing that instead of just a cleaning? I mean, I'm blessed that we make killer money. You know, we, we haul contract freight, has nothing to do with spot market. I'm still getting the same rates that I was two years ago. So that's why my my brain is. Take the DPF DPF alternatives and let them tell you what you should do with it instead of just spending the money. um, $450 cleaning may save you three or $4,000. Okay. But go on their website and uh, find the closest one to you and 
some of them they can take it out and put it back in. Some of them you need to take it out or have another mechanic take it out and take it to them. Gotcha. Is DPF usage, can can one use that as a guide as to the condition? Do you mean DEF no. usage? Yeah. I'm sorry, yes. For example, right no, now I'm using a gal I'm using a gallon about every two hundred miles. I don't know if that's good or bad. That sounds awful. And that's just wait a minute. And well those are just that's just rolling regens. It, it it never forces us to shut down, but we run an average of four thousand miles a week and then when I get home I fill the tank up because I can buy it at, at a local store at home cheaper than anywhere out on the road. And then that's about average, isn't it, Leroy? A gallon and 200? Yeah. That's, that's what you a, said. You're getting 200 miles that's per a, gallon, right? Yeah. For a 4,000-mile week, I'll put in 9 to 10 gallons. Yeah, I don't think that's bad. Oh. Do you think it's bad, Kevin? I, you know, my brain's not working well today. It sounded bad when he first said it, but maybe not. <laughs> well, I, yeah, it's, it's kind of weird for people reverse they say like one gallon per uh, yeah that, it, that throws it up but we do it the other way it sounds normal you know what just uh, now that i'm thinking about it my brain really isn't working all that well um i while we're talking i'll just go check um fuel gauges because i know there are people in there that track it yeah I, I, okay, think I, would... pretty good. I mean it, there's people that definitely get like two 250 um uh, that's pretty good for like some of the Volvo stuff but then there's a lot of people that get, you know, 150 to 180. That's that's probably more common than 200. So I think you're pretty good at 200. Yeah, now it's starting to sound okay. Right. And I should all mention, right. I sh I should mention that we do not idle this truck at all. I've got a backup air conditioner system in my truck. So at night, you know, and unfortunately, the downside of all of this whole scenario is my 96 is now a paper truck because she wants me to stay with her. We do a lot of the same stuff. So when she has to shut down to do her 10-hour break, guess what I'm doing? I'm shutting down and doing my 10-hour break. Um, but anyhow, we're using my my truck to sleep in simply because we do not have an air conditioner system in her truck yet. So there's there's no idling whatsoever. That's, right, so that's simply for the, the mileage we're running down the road. So I just looked it up. Yeah. I'll... I'll... I'll correct myself. I think my brain is just mush this morning. Uh, 200 is excellent. Uh, most trucks that I'm looking at in, in uh, fuel gauges are probably in the 140 to 160 or so. It's fairly common. There are a couple trucks that are right around 200, a couple over a little bit. So now that, that's a good number. I don't know what I was thinking. I wasn't thinking, obviously. <laughs> so we're would it be safe for me to say that I can maybe hold off on even having a cleaning done for a little bit, or should I just I, go ahead and do that? Since, since you since you don't know the history, I would do it right now. Okay. Well, that's what I was thinking, but yet my cheap state side of me wants me to contradict my my gut feeling all too often, and usually it bites me. So yeah, no, it, I'll it, be looking up the DPF alternative. There you go. All right. We got to move along. Calls are piling up again. Let's go to Minnesota. John, welcome. Hi, Kevin. Um, Pete, you ever have any calls about oil sample bottles opening up in the mail? Occasionally, we've seen that, um, and, and that's why when we put the um, when you buy the samples from us, the return 
would go back to you instead of coming back to us because we would get a right. sample in. It would come back to us. Oil is everywhere. We have no idea whose it is. Um, so now yeah. we would change it there, but it, it's rare. I mean, it has happened. You're not the first person, but that's it, not very common. I've actually called OPS and suggested their bar scan label that you put on the actual bottle. Extend a mm-hmm. little tail out to put it over top of the cover, like your peacups at the uh, doctor's office. Right. That way it would help prevent that. But they said they're not going to change that either. So that was just a suggestion I made to them. Um, and I had that same issue that the previous caller had with the app. So I... Uh, and for that point, I mean, you could simply take some tape and, and tape it yourself. Just take some tape over it for now, but that's yeah. what I called in on that suggestion. And they said they're not changing it, so... Yeah, I know. Um, Claire Slaps doesn't want to make any changes on anything. But that, that's what I would do if, if you're concerned about it. Just put some tape over it. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know if you guys actually had any that opened up on you. So that yeah, was right. a couple of uh, volume we do. Okay. All right. Thanks for the call. Let's head off to Mississippi. Trent, welcome to the program. Hi. Um, I've got a couple of questions, but before that, uh, every time I've used the online submission for the oil samples, there's always been a section for gallons added. Correct. We're saying it's not on the so, paper form anymore. Okay. I, I haven't even looked at the paper form for a while. Um, my problem, I just had an OPS installed. I, I bought this truck in November. Um, my first oil sample that I took out of the OPS, uh, one UPS lost it. So is there anything I should know when filing, filing a claim? Do I just use the 55 bucks for a new sample? So, I mean, UPS, uh, it, it, okay, so when you ship, if you don't insure something, generally it's $100 or less is included. So that would be something that uh, UPS should cover for you because you have up to $100 worth of free insurance. And, of course, that is less than that. So they, they should Correct. cover that for you. You, you have to call your, your UPS rep and uh, get them involved. Or, or just UPS, you're not going to have a rep, but just call UPS and let them know what's going on. Doesn't everybody have a rep? <laughs> <laughs> UPS is pretty okay, good to work so, with, though, when it comes to All those. right, so just, so just go with a $55 oil sample cost as far as what I claim? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the, the, the one I paid for it, then, and that's what then it costs. My next problem, when I went to get the oil sample... That little uh, nozzle does not spit out oil. Well, it's, it drips out. There's like a little drip at a time. It's not coming out as, as, as a stream. Well, is that that's, a, are you doing it on the wrong side? Say again? On the wrong side of the filter. Should be before the filter. Is it before? We the, have those. The, the, if it's before the filter, so I, and you're I, not you getting any flow. We'd, we'd want to check two things to make sure there isn't a problem with that valve itself. And if there isn't a problem, so what you should probably do is take the hose off coming into the OPS and just stick it in a bucket and run the engine. Um, you're not going to get a ton of flow. I mean, they flow, what is it, Pete, a gallon okay. an hour? Correct. Yeah, gallon an now it's hour. It's going to come out the line. It's pretty slow. But if you take the line off before the filter... 
So it'd be nice to have two people do this. Take the line off before the filter, put it in a bucket, fire the truck up and see how much oil is coming out of the engine to make sure we don't have a problem with the line being right. defective or something blocking the line. Right. Um, if we're getting flow out of there, then the next step would be take the line off of the after the filter side and see how much is coming out. Okay. And if you've got good flow at there's the not much hose, coming out there, but not good flow when you press the button, it's going to be that valve itself that's the problem. Okay. All right. We'll, we'll do that and go from there. All right. Sounds like a plan. If that doesn't Appreciate work, it. call us back. Let's go to Ohio. Herschel, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin, you hear me okay? Sound good. What's on your mind today? Well, you were talking about it yesterday. This is one of those AI headsets from Amazon. It's called L-E-V-N. Levin, I guess you'd say. I don't know. That is the one I've seen, yeah. Yours doesn't, I mean, yours sounds okay. Doesn't sound like the couple times I've heard it on, both other times I've heard it now is on Twitter. Spaces, I think. I don't know if anybody's called me here till now. Um, Well, I'm not. I'm not talking real loud, so that might be part of it. Well, now it's it whatever just changed. It actually got a little clearer. Well, I, I talked a little louder. Oh, there you go. That so evidently it, you got to yell at it a little bit. <laughs> maybe so, but for from what I've seen so far, for thirty or forty bucks or whatever that thing costs, it's got pretty darn good sound. So the guy that was asking about the VGT Volvo, yeah, a couple of callers ago. That's what I have. I don't. I didn't catch his name, but guy, if you're listening, just call Tribecare, and whether you get Angie, Morgan, Lisa, they'll give you my phone number. Just give me a call if you want. I'll help you with some of that parameter stuff. I'm not an expert, but I've goofed around with this one long enough to kind of get somewhat of an idea. You still there? Oh, I'm sorry. I uh, you're a piece of junk bone. No, no, you're fine, Herschel. Say that again. I just said have that guy to call Fridecare, get my phone number, and give me a call. I'll help him out. Oh, okay. We can do that. Do you want to, so, do you want to give him your last Herschel? name? Yeah, Herschel Frazier. Or send me a message on the trucking tribe. That's fine, too. I'll put it on there. That'll work. So, Bruce. Yes. When you talk about the stroke of an engine, in my layman's terms, what that means is the distance that the crankshaft pushes the piston up to get to the top and the distance that it pulls it down. That's my understanding. They always talk about, yeah, the D13, they always talk about it being a shorter stroke. So if that's the case and we run these at low RPM, uh, what Joel always refers to as lower piston speed in my hillbilly brain, a crankshaft that moves, say, four inches top to bottom against one that moves six, the one that only goes four inches has got to be going a whole lot faster with that piston. Can you explain how in the world is that slower no. piston speed? I'm not thinking that through right. No, I I think that it's... If you're a shorter stroke and you're running at low RPM, your piston's actually going slower. So it's still based back to the lower RPM. Right. It's both. Because, I mean, to me, logically, if 
If you have an ISX or even a Caterpillar that's got the long stroke at 1500 against a D13 at 1500 the D13 should be going a whole lot faster because the stroke is a lot shorter. No, no. You're still going no. the same RPM, but the piston is traveling two inches less. Correct. Yeah, okay. So, okay. you know you know what kind of an analogy might help you understand this? I think. Kind of helps me. What's that? If you think <laughs> about, um, if you've ever seen any kind of a track meet, when they're running a 440 or an 880 or whatever, now they do meters, I guess, uh, why don't they all start on the same line? That's uh, about distance. It's distance, right? The the person on the outside starts way ahead of the person on the inside. Right. That makes sense. It's the, the distance, okay. right? Yeah, it's the distance that changes. Mm-hmm. All right. Good you enough. Know, it always seems like at a horse race, the horses that are in position one, two, and three uh, seem to always win easier than the ones further out. Well, yeah, they're already on the inside groove, kind of like when you were doing your road racing at Nelson Ledges. What you wanted to do is get to the outside of that guy and dive bomb him going into the turn and outbreak him going into the yep. turn. That's just yep. what you do, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Or apex. Yeah. Right, right, apex. There you go. Apexing the turn. Well, and, you know, I still, I still do that. It drives my girlfriend crazy whenever I do that. So nobody's coming the other way. <laughs> I always wondered what happened if you're on a two-lane road and you're apexing, apexing your sharp curve, and if there was a be a state trooper behind you, if he'd pull you over. Yeah, probably. You're driving in the wrong lane. Hey, Bruce, the, <laughs> the what, what I've learned from watching OP Live, which is the show where they, they're actually in the cop car with film crews and you actually see all this stuff happening live, their whole point um, in, in traffic enforcement is they want to pull you over for anything they can find, and it's not the violation that they're concerned about. They just want an excuse to pull over every car. They're looking for drugs, contraband, guns. All, that, that's their whole point. Do you know what the number, do you know what the number one reason they pull people over for is? If you, if you don't want to get pulled what? over, you should go out and check this on all your vehicles. The license plate light not working. Number one reason they pull people over. Nobody cares about that license plate light. Come on. They're behind you. Their headlights are on there. They can see your license plate. They pull people over for that constantly. Nobody ever gets a ticket for it. It's just an excuse to pull the car over. So, yeah, if you cross the line, we, we see it all the time. I see a car cross the line one time, center line one time. They'll pull them over. Oh, you crossed the line. In Pennsylvania, that's a good way for them to get the DUIs. Exactly. Because now they have a reason to get right. out of the car. They're, they're, they booze, they weed, whatever it might be. Yep. And the, you just got a DUI. Yeah. The, the violation they pull people over for is not the violation they really care about. It's just the reason to pull you over. They're looking for the bigger stuff. Kevin, you got to stay out of that little town in Texas that got you a while back. Well, see, they just completely ignore our constitutional <laughs> rights and pulled me over with zero reason whatsoever. Every light on that coach worked. Everything was fine. My speed was fine. I didn't change any lanes. And they didn't even really, other than his first comment of, you came into town a little hot, which he couldn't have known anyway. Other than that, he didn't even try to play the game. 
I mean, he, he wasn't even going to try to justify why he pulled me over after that because he didn't care. But what am I going to say? This is an illegal stop. I would have ended up with heroin in my pocket. Yeah, just like the White House, maybe cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, except these guys, Hunter did it. Hunter did it. Uh, yeah. Well, the other difference there is these guys in, in Childress, Texas, could care less about the violation or anything else. All they wanted was the cash. Give us your credit card number and you can be on your way. That's all they cared about. You know what else they did down there years ago? Guy had wrecked his truck and he bought a cab and a salvage yard and put on. And so now you have two different serial numbers and they impounded his truck. And yeah, kept it. I bet. Yeah. Crazy. All right. Uh, well, I don't know what uh, Herschel just dropped off there. We'll go to uh, Indiana. Derek, welcome. Hey, how's it going, Kevin? Good. What's on your mind today? So you guys were talking about speedometers a little bit ago, and uh, I figured I'd give you guys a call about what's going going on with mine. So a little bit of history on mine. Uh, it's an 06 Freightliner Century. When I first bought the truck, my speedometer always set at 15 miles per hour regardless if I was stopped or if the truck was off. But it would always read no matter what. Well, the last couple of days, it's not kicking in until about 50 miles an hour and it's affecting my ELD and uh, my fuel gauge has also been messed up on this gauge cluster for probably about a year now. And from what I've been reading, it's either a gauge cluster or a speed sensor. I was just wondering what your guys' opinion was on that. And when did it start doing this? <laughs> uh, the speedometer just recently started doing the thing where it's not kicking into about uh, 50 miles an hour. It's always set at 15 miles per hour, regardless if it was off or at a dead stop. And did you say what year and what kind of truck it was? It's an uh, 06 Freightliner Century. Okay. And does it have, do the gauges sweep when you key on or did they not? They do sweep when I do key on. Okay. Well, then if you're having some sort of speedometer issue, it could be the speed sensor. The If you wanted to verify, you could use a scan gauge to, to verify uh, but it most likely is just the uh, the speedometer itself or the instrument cluster that's giving you issues. So, do you, do you, as you say, you said it's more likely the speedometer cluster that's giving me issues? Uh, most most likely, yeah. I, I found a guy in my hometown about 200 miles away from where I live out in Grand Rapids. He said he can actually rebuild this cluster for like 225 bucks. I was going to take it apart and take it out there and uh, see if he could do that and... Uh, go from there i figured that's why i was calling you guys see if you guys thought it might be the cost or if i should go off the center first i don't have yeah. a gauge where i can check it out so oh okay yeah i mean without checking it i guess you're just you know sort of hoping 50, 50 for, chance but for 200 bucks it's it's worth a try so right it, it's better to rock to go a rebuild i was about to actually go to the vander Hags and pick up a used uh coaster but it's like 825 bucks and I figured yeah. I'd go after the rebuild thing first because I had my Camaro gauges rebuilt a long time ago and it was a lot cheaper. <laughs> yeah. 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 But since it's a data link gauge, it gets its uh, its reading from the ECM. So, okay. I mean, if the speed is cutting out, then you you could tell on a scan gauge since it gets the same reading uh, from the data right. link. The scan gauge gets the same reading okay. as the instrument cluster. But mm -hmm. it sounds like when it's kicking in and out like that, I've seen that a few times, and it's always the instrument cluster. Okay. And the other reason I was going to go after the cluster, like I said, my fuel gauge has always been messing up, too. Like, it, it won't read. It will go past the full mark when it's completely full, or 
you know, it's always been off. I just, I always keep track though with using uh, fuel gauges, the fuel gauge app. I know how much fuel yeah. this truck can uh, use on a trip. And my, uh, my volt gauge too, it's always at 15 volts when I'm running. I mean, it goes down when you shut it off. It doesn't even go all the way down to the bottom point either. I mean, the truck's got almost 1.5 million on it. Yeah. It's no shame for that dash, but it might be time. Okay. That's cool. So yeah, I'll go that route then. All right. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks. I appreciate it. You guys. Thanks for the call. You're welcome. All right. We're going to wrap this up for today. Uh, anything anybody wants to close with? Nope, I'm good. All right. We will no, do it again next week. Thanks to the team from Pittsburgh Power. We'll uh, be back tomorrow with Destination Health. I don't have any guests, so tomorrow will be a health free-for-all. We'll see you then. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.